Hey, you're listening to Tech Talks with Lou and I'm Lou Temlett. I hope you're having a good day and I'm really thankful for you listening. So this is Tech Talks with Lou, the show in which I discuss the top tech secrets for success from the best in today's digital world. Last time, I spoke with Amanda LeCount, dancer, choreographer, model and influencer, as well as being a pioneer of breaking the stereotype. We spoke about being an early adopter in the social media world and being a role model for the generation of today. If you haven't already listened, head back after this episode and let me know what you think. My guest today is star of number two Netflix movie, Legacy of Lies, and famous for being on Channel 4 and giving away a home to three homeless families. He is also a film producer and actor. I'd like to welcome Marco Robinson. Hello. Hi, Marco. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Very good. I'm really grateful for you being here um, and for sparing some time to chat with me today, because I know you have an extremely busy schedule. And taking time out to, uh, you know, chat is is great. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure to, to be here, Lou, always. So my podcast is about technology, Marco, and my aim is to really draw out your knowledge and understanding of technology and how you've used that knowledge to progress yourself and your success in both the film world and uh you know, every other aspect of your life. So let's start at the very beginning um, and your first kind of introduction to technology or maybe even before that. My first introduction to technology, it's a good question. I think the first thing I remember about technology is the Atari video game machine. Right, so when that came out and I was playing tennis and biplanes and all that, that was like phenomenal. It was like, you know, as a kid as well, it was it was amazing to see that. So, yeah, I think that was really my first intro as a kid, to see that kind of technology. Um, and then it came to, I remember getting my first mobile phone, which was about that big. <laughs> when, it was, when I was 21, I got this mobile phone. I had to carry it with two hands. Um, and that was an amazing thing. And um, because I, I remember standing on top of my car, because I couldn't get a signal, but I got the signal if it went on top of the car. But the freedom <laughs> it gave you, that one piece of technology, the freedom it gave you, because it meant you didn't have to go home and check your answering machine. You didn't have to go to the phone box. You know, So these were huge milestones that I remember. Yeah. And then, of course, so there was when, a one. Remember that? It, yes. Well, that's what I learned to code on, Marco, at the age tender age of three. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So tell me um, a bit about the mobile technology and, you know, was that a business? Was that for business that you use that for or was that kind of, you know, personal, social? Um... I think it was, the mobile phone was definitely a personal thing because it was kind of a statement I was trying to make. I was about to be the youngest kid with the mobile phone, you know, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't it wasn't really a business then because not many people had them. The, the, the utility was very low because it was a breakthrough technology that, and it was also very expensive then to get a phone. It was more of a personal thing, really. So you started in business quite young, though. So tell me about uh, your beginnings in in business. Well, I guess my first beginnings in business were, um, I had a paper round when I was like nine years old. Um, I used to try and, try and get things that I used to sell at school, 
<clears throat> so, you know, just to make a bit of cash and stuff like that. Um, I used to trade things at school, um, which I didn't do very well about, but then I got better at doing it. Um, I did that, and then um, because I left home quite early at 15, I had to get money in. So what I did is I I went to every shop in town and said, listen, can I clean your floor for £1 an hour? Now, pretty much all of them said yes, <laughs> because, yep. they, you know, it was cost a lot more than that, right? So I got all this work suddenly, and I didn't have anywhere to live. And I used to live in the shop because I used to clean it like last thing at night or early morning, so get away with it. And I saved enough money up to then move, get my own place and that kind of thing, you know. Bringing business and technology together, at what point were you consciously aware about bringing tech into your workspace? Oh, I think into the workspace was probably when I went to Malaysia in 1997. That was a pivotal moment for me because it was the time when email was just beginning Right, so I was learning I mean, before that we had what we an internet. So we used to communicate on com- to computer to computer within the work, but we couldn't do it outside of work, right? So what the internet made possible was to send emails. And I remember buying the, my first laptop in nineteen ninety seven. It was a Dell top of the range laptop with a three hundred megahertz pro- processor or something like that, um, which was like state of the art at the time. And I remember receiving and sending first emails, and that was. Again, an incredible time because it's just completely changed the work environment. You know, you're able to communicate with everybody from not having to go and speak to everybody separately in different locations. You know, that was a huge deal. Yes. And and I guess be fixed in one place as well with a, a laptop. I guess it gives you, well, we know it gives you um, so much freedom, Um but uh, kind of back in the late nineties, it was quite a quite a thing to to be on the move and communicating. It was because then, and you know, even before the pandemic, it was the protocol is you have to meet people face to face in order to seal the deal, in order to encourage credibility and professionalism. But now it is not the same as it used to be two years ago. You know, there there are over half the world's on online, and yeah. they're on it every day. They're not, they don't have to do face-to-face meetings. So literally now, truly, the laptop is the gateway to the world. You can be literally anywhere and make a lot of money and do what you want to do. Yes, absolutely. And from my perspective, being a single mother at home with two children during the pandemic, it's an absolute lifeline to keep yeah. business running and and just be connected in a world where, um, you know, we really don't have to be in one single place to meet each other or we, you know, we don't have to kind of be in an office space all the time. So in terms of the flexibility, I think, you know, it's it's been an incredible journey for so many people and a shift, you know, on from the last 20 plus years into a new phase of what technology looks like going forwards. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing about technology, when there's a milestone, it shifts it shifts the, the paradigm hugely, you never, to, to the degree that it's never the same as it was before. You know, I remember sending, receiving the first text message on a phone. And I'm trying to send messages to people that they don't, they don't even understand they could receive a text message. Yes. I had to go, go and see them and show them. I just sent you a text message. What do you mean you sent me a text message? I just sent you one. Look at your phone. 
oh, why did I write that? I said, no, I just sent you that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the kind of belief system is crazy. But when people realize yeah. that it was technology, they went, oh, my God. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of phobia around technology, especially for the older generation, because they're afraid of it. They have this fear that, oh, my God, if I make a mistake, if I press the wrong button, it's all going to mess up. Um, and that, that was something I had to get over personally. Um, today's yeah. generation is just born with a phone in their hand, so it's a different ball game. And do you do you remember the time when sending emails and then you still had to phone someone to say, I've just sent you an email? So it kind of, again, is echoing, you know, the, the text message scenario and going to see someone, but the email, you phone someone. So so what's next? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it really equates to when the Wright brothers flew the therapy, right? Nobody believed in the world until they saw it. Yes. And the way that technology, it gives this, actually technology gives a greater impact than the Wright Brothers because it, it's a global event rather than a localised event. Goodness me, it, you know, kind of thinking about what might be in the future, Marco, and, uh, you know, what's next. But um, back to your business and yeah. using technology. So you've got this Dell laptop. You are late 90s and you're able to communicate uh with other people what tell me about the work you were doing at that point well at that point i was um the ceo of a public company which was a hotel and property company so i had a big sales team you know i had like i think i had 2000 sales people i had 1000 telemarketers so it was very busy it was very direct sales so communication was hugely important then. And, you know, I had to make sure that I could keep track of who my staff, what they, what they were doing, and, of course, what the performance figures were. So I also remember at that time, it was probably in 1999, there was the, if you remember the, the first Nokia phone that opened up long ways and there was a keyboard. I think yes. it was the Nokia 9000 or something like that. So we found a way to hook it up so we could put the sales reports through that phone. So I could get a, a whole sales report at the end of the day, literally on my phone. And that was another huge deal that I didn't yeah. have to go to the office to get the report. Do you know what I mean? So it sounds like you've been really quite forward thinking in utilizing technology, your workflow and implementing it onto, you know, the, the technology and the devices throughout your career. Um, you know, incredibly progressive um, from, from yeah, that I mean, perspective. I I didn't think I was progressive. I just, or my question was always from a child perspective, how can I use that as a tool? How can I innovate? How can I apply it? What applications are there? So for me, I didn't really think that because I wasn't the same person I am now. So for me, I just, I kind of like um, instinctively, my questions were how can I use that to, to improve my performance personally? That's really pivotal when it comes to an entrepreneurial mindset that there's um, a lack of appreciation at the time about how progressive your mindset is in moving yourself forwards, whether it's technology yeah. or whether it's any other aspect. And some naivety maybe in yeah, that kind of yeah, pushing yeah. it forwards and yeah. you're just doing it because you need to you need to solve a problem and you'll you'll find any way to make your life easier so that you can continue to progress forwards i mean working in a big corporation 
you are faced with your biggest limitation is the people around you that you work with. And a lot of the time, a lot of those people don't want to adapt to new technology because they're afraid of losing the job, right? Yeah. So a lot of that resistance had to be managed. And the IT department, even the IT department, were not really innovative. They were technical. Does that make sense? Yes. So I would have to go to them with a problem, say, listen, is it possibly technical? Is it possibly possible technically to do this to get the outcome? And they would scratch yeah. their head and go, well, why would you want to do that? And then, <laughs> and then yeah. went away and came back and said, yeah, we can do it. This is how we're going to do it. So for me, it's getting the most out of people's potential and also the tech, because the technology is unlimited. It's the, it's the people that are limited. Yes. Very very salient point there so moving on from being ceo having a laptop having a mobile phone um what kind of came next for you in terms of your career yes so what came next for me was because i was always very innovative um i left that kind of corporate world in 2002 because I didn't want to work for people anymore. So I became an entrepreneur, became a consultant. I became a speaker. I became a sales trainer. And I'm very good at that. But I was thinking, you know, it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of energy to get a not a great deal of money out. So I was always trying to say, right, what's the big idea? So I would always ask a question. And when I wrote my first book in 2008, um, and it became number one bestseller. I thought, you know, even then it didn't make a lot of money. So I thought, how can I make a million dollars this year from the book? So the first thing was make it into an audio book. The second thing was have a sales club online. And the last thing was, thing was that book, I was able to use it as a showcase to my brand to get myself in the door for people I wanted to network with. But it helped me build my brand online. Um, and then in 2009, um, I had an idea where, because after the subprime crisis, a lot of people were suffering, especially companies. So I thought, how can I, how can I make a million dollars this year and help companies? So I discovered that there were lots of hotels that were not really full. People weren't booking hotels just like the pandemic. So I was able through my connections to get a lot of free rooms. And what I did is I packaged these free rooms into a voucher that I would sell to a company for like $50. $50. And the way that it worked was um, if you gave the vacation as an, as an incentive to buy the product, the sales would go up about 25 to 30%. Yeah. So buy a phone, get a free holiday, buy a car, get a free holiday. So I was able to be very successful with that at first, but it was very manual. So I had to, the first thing I had to do was I had to develop a booking system. So I yeah. had to completely reverse engineer how someone would book it, but for them to press one button on the website and all the steps would be there. So that was that's, – that's not my – I haven't got the patience to sit down and do all that, yeah. but I had to do it. I had to do it. Because when I did that, it transformed my business and I was able to scale it because of just that one piece of software that I had to design myself. I got someone to build it, 
but I had to say, right, that goes there, that goes there. I had to map the whole thing out. So that was that was the first piece. And then I had to have a network marketing commission software where people could go and recruit people and it would manage the whole team, right? So I had to develop that software. Remember, it cost me £100,000 to buy that software, yeah. right, and develop it. Um, but, it, again, it transformed the business. And the way that I have always looked at it is as an investment that you, in order to you've – got to, you've got to be more efficient. You've got to reduce man hours. You've got to save time for your team. You've got to make them happy. And you've got to save costs. So technology achieves all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you wouldn't have been in that position if you hadn't kind of been, you know, uh, gifted the innovation and the mindset to be the most efficient. Uh, so, you know, kudos to you in terms of, you know, being an innovator in technology. And I think, you know, that's something I, I kind of want to draw out that actually you're an incredible innovator in lots of different areas uh, and why you're in your position you are today, uh, which yeah. is incredibly successful. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I think it's it's taking a step back and being able to reflect and kind of draw out you know, the, the assets and the, the achievements. Um, and I think many of us in technology just do what we're doing or innovate because that's our mindset rather than going, actually, we've come a really long way and we've achieved something that many people in the world aren't able to achieve um, by piecing all of those things together. So tell me how all of that technology and business has led you into the film world. Good, great, good question. Good question. Well, it's got nothing to do with technology, right? <laughs> um, completely unrelated because the film world, I'd always wanted to make a film. Since I was six years old, I was the boy at the back of the classroom pretending to be James Bond. That was my escape. My imagination was my escape because my childhood was not easy. So, you know, I used to go to school, didn't see the point of school, so I looked out the window and daydreamed and pretended to be this person, this role model, right? And um, I did that for many years because as an only child, you have to cope differently. You have to operate differently. And I had my own world and I created a world where I was happy in. And in that world, I created. So, for example, I loved Lego. Lego was massive for me because it, it helped me create any, build anything and it'd be validated straight away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was also quite tangible and tactile. So the film was a spy film that I was, I'd always wanted to make, but never kind of life got in the way, right? And actually success got in the way because I was making money, didn't need to do it for money. Yeah. But it, was, it wasn't about the money with the film at all. It was about something I really wanted to do to also prove yeah. to myself that I could do it. So when I was 45 years old, I drew a line in the sand and said, listen, I've achieved everything in, I want in business. It wasn't giving me the same kind of fulfillment. So I said, yeah. now's the time to make the film. So I reached out on Facebook, which is a bit of technology. I found people there. And I said, listen, I want to make a film. Do you want to help me? And I found someone. And we wrote a script and, you know, it went really well. And I gave them 25 grand and it disappeared and it goes well, right? <laughs> and so that, that was a learning curve. But I, I look at, I, look, I frame losses as lessons. 
So I lost that money, but I met another man called Victor, Victor Soleil, who was a Spanish actor that knew the director and writer of Legacy of Lies before it was made. And he said, listen, I, I know this guy is a really good friend of mine. His name is Adrian. He also wants to make a spy film. Why don't you two get together? So I flew to Holland to meet him. We got together and then we started on Leg the Legacy of Lies project, um, which, again, had nothing to do with technology at all. Um, but it was just a passion project. And, you know, eventually it turned out to be probably the most successful thing I've ever done so far. You're listening to Tech Talks with Lou and I'm Lou Temlett. And today I'm talking with Marco Robinson, award-winning entrepreneur and award-winning filmmaker. So, Marco, um, you set about making this movie and um, you've used your technology in your career but actually the switch was because filmmaking and being an actor was more of a passion more of a dream for you throughout your childhood and life but to be able to get to that point you've put in the hard work and effort to actually be in that place and be able to fund or support yeah. A, yeah. a kind of passion passion project um I'm drawing some similarities. For me, it's always been dance, but I've still got to put in the hard work to get yeah. the technology and then, you know, follow my dream at some point, but knowing that that's coming. Now, did you ever think that you would um, reach out to your your dream and your passion project when you were putting in the hours and making all of that technology work for you? It was all in the back of my mind, Um you know, even the, even the book was a huge deal because I never thought I could write a book. And, you know, I used, to, I used to, when I was 19, I used to order book writing courses. But I never, I didn't, still didn't know how to write a book. So the man, the intention was there. And, it, and, I, and I guess the, the dream was always there, but I never got around to manifesting it. And it's when, I guess it was really when I had a stronger mindset that I said, right, come on, I've achieved everything now. Why not write a book? Why not make a film? And like you said, Lou, I was able to use my business experience in putting that film together because I wasn't a filmmaker. I wasn't an actor. I had no experience as an artist. But what I did have was resilience and a never die attitude and like a goal setting mindset. And, you know, if I had if I had not have been that person, it would not it definitely would not have been made. So what do you think has made that difference for you in having that resilience and just that keeping going attitude? The famous cliche is I've never met anyone. I've never met a strong person with an easy past. Right. So for me, it's like there's also a famous quote where it says the happy oyster with nothing to irritate it is not the oyster that produces the pearl. So for me, adversity has always been a best friend. Now, because I was homeless as a kid and, and it was really a survival mode, I was like embracing adversity because I had no choice. If I, if I saw a brick wall in front of me, I had to find a way over it, through it or whatever I could. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was how I lived. So for me, it became about survival. But when it came to the film, it was more about thriving, not surviving. So what um, skills did you have to learn? You've you've talked about, you know, not being an actor and not being able to kind of write a screen, a script. So what did you do to equip yourself with those skills? 
Um, I, I, well, I lived in Malaysia for 22 years. And in 2018, I, I basically sold everything I had. And I went to London for six months to acting school. <laughs> right. And everyone else is 21 years old and I'm like 50 nearly. And everyone's looking at me up and down and going, what are you doing here? <laughs> but, you know, for me, learning is the, the greatest asset you have. And so many people don't believe that because when they leave university and school, they don't want to learn anymore because they're fed up. Yeah. Like 20 years to do it. But for me, I'm always on a steep learning curve. And the way that I look at it is if I'm not learning, I'm not earning. Um, so I learned how to act, and then I learned how to raise money for a film. Um, I, was always, I was already a writer, so Adrian was the writer, but I helped him write the script because uh, I, I am very good at visualizing stories. So I'm a good storyteller. So I learned to use that ability and to structure a script. So now I actually teach people how to write a screenplay. Can you believe it? I never thought I'd be doing that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I do. So it's basically reinvention. Anyone can reinvent themselves. But a lot of people believe they can't. A lot of people think – a lot of people are very dogmatic. They think, well, I've been trained to do this. That's what I can do. I can't do anything else. I'm not very good at it. I have this imposter syndrome bullshit that's not really real you know yep. it's just made up but the facts are that you can learn anything and you can master it and you can learn from it yes agreed and i think you know the last couple of years of the pandemic you know people have taken the opportunity to learn new skills and you know so many people i know in my circles have come out with new skills and new abilities um you know but they've had that mindset to just continue and learn and progress and i think you know yeah the difference is having the difference is they had no choice right and the greatest human achievements are when we're on the precipice, precipice of failure, that great achievements are made and born. And the pandemic, people had no choice. They had to, they had to change. They had to be online. Yeah. They had to embrace Zoom. You know, they had to embrace tech more because if they didn't, they're not going to eat. So that is a great motivator, isn't it? You know. Absolutely. Now, in terms of technology, um, have you put that aside or are you still embracing technology today? No, actually, I am. I am embracing it because I've just invented something. Would you like to hear what it is? Yes, I'm very excited to hear. (laughs) Okay, so I love Instagram and social media, right? And I've always been a fan, but I've always been disappointed at engagement when you put a post out. You know, you you put all this work in and not many people like it, not many people comment on it. And I have always been since I think about for 20 years now in in rewards. I've invented rewards programs for companies like Citibank, Nikon cameras, BMW, a lot of big companies. And I thought, why can't we have a reward system for Instagram? Like when someone comments on your post, why can't you thank them automatically? And why can't you give them some points? And why can't they redeem those points for gifts and prizes like books, masterclasses, holidays, all that kind of stuff, right? Or things yeah. from your own brand. And I was speaking to a man called Simon Hearn, who's an automation specialist. And this was about a year ago. And I met him on Clubhouse, and he, he did some of my automation. And that's when the idea came. I said, Simon, can we do this? Is it possible? Now, I discovered that there are two automation 
companies that Instagram and Facebook approve, which is my, uh, Mobile Monkey and um, ManyChat. So I explored both of their platforms and I realized that with the ManyChat platform and our own coding, we could develop yeah. that rewards program. So we spent six months developing it. I called it Insta Explosion. Beta tested it. Now it's working, right? The company's called Create Demand, and we're launching next month. That what, is fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Amazing thing is that it's a subscription model. So we do a free trial, and it's like $99 a month, and you get loads of bonuses and courses and stuff like that. But the point is it can increase your engagement by over 50% because people are anticipating your content, and they're yeah. getting paid. To, to comment and share your stories and mention you. So it's a huge deal, right? And what I do is I look for opportunities that perhaps other people have missed. I look at the gaps. And for me, that was a big gap. It yeah. was a big gap because it was a big pain point for most people on social media because, oh, I did all that work and no one, only 10 people liked <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I saw the gap. I saw an opportunity. thought, right, I can exploit that. So that's that's the way my mind works. It's always busy, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's kind of a curse because it makes sleep slightly more difficult than it was if I was, you know, chilled <laughs> out on a beach somewhere. Um, but I've learned to manage it. I've learned to manage it. But I'm like a little kid. I, I get excited by things and by new ideas and embrace it, you know? That's very cool. I love the fact that you're still, you know, thinking about technology. It's still very much a part of your success journey. And uh, I'm sure there'll be many more amazing things that you're producing or being part of or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the the leader in in that particular field. So what else is coming up for you over the next six months? Are you focusing on on this launch or is there something else already in the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, that's there's a team that's on that launch with me. And, um, you know, I of course, I'm doing more more artist things. Right. So. I'm writing my third book, which is called How to Be a Hero in Real Life. Defy the Odd, Defeat the Villains in Life. And that is the story of my life, basically. But it's also a toolkit for people that need to be a hero in, in real life and stand up for themselves and achieve what they could achieve when they know what the potential is. Now, that book is being turned into a musical called Legacy of Spies. Ah. So the musical is, is again, about my life. Because my life, I've always wanted to be Spiny James Bond. And when I've, when I've adopted that role, I've been my best. I've been operating at my best level uh, because I've got this confidence and, you know, I, I just have this kind of fearlessness and stuff like that. Um, but also it, it, the musical talks about the great adversities that I've been through, including um, a Russian spy that was sent to kill me. I ended up sleeping with and had to nearly lost my life. So, that's why it's called Legacy of Spies. Um, it, yeah, and I'm, I'm getting singing lessons right now. I can sing. I've got a composer. We're writing it. It's amazing. Amazing. Not easy, Lou. Very no. difficult, right? <laughs> if it was easy, we wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> well, Marco, that just sounds like an amazing journey and you know putting in the hard work that you're you're kind of seemingly so used to 
but knowing that you're going to get the rewards yeah. and not just financial rewards, that, that it feels like there's some really heart-centered personal gratification that you're getting out of just doing all these amazing things in life. Um, any advice for anyone that is in technology or wants to, you know, kind of pursue a career in the film industry or writing a book? Uh, what one piece of advice would you give them? If you want something, just do it. Yeah. There's nothing else I can say. Yeah. And, you know, I could say I can write a book about all the answer to that. But at the end of the day, it's the action that you need to do that, is required to get to that place yeah and that's what it is when you boil it down and it's, it's how badly you want to achieve that which defines the actions and that's yeah. what it's about you see and this is all about belief if you don't believe in it you'll never do it and you first you first of all have to believe if you didn't believe you could raise your left hand to your face you wouldn't be able to raise your left hand to your face it's that simple yeah it's simply because you've learned to do it as a kid right that's how learning is. You've got to first believe it to achieve it. Marco, I just want to thank you for your inspired shares and uh, contribution to my podcast. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful and uh, loved hearing about all of your technology and the fact that you're, you know, you're more kind of pursuing your passion projects and still going with technology and uh, all of those creative ideas. Um, it's wonderful to have you here and thank you so much for your time. Um, wishing you a super rest of your day um and uh yeah and enjoy the uh the weekend coming up <laughs> thanks lou but i've enjoyed talking about technology for a change you never get i never get asked that those questions <laughs> so for me it's bringing a lot of memories back but actually when you look back at it oh my god those are real big milestones you know what how yeah, far so we i got? think yeah and i think you know it's one of those under discussed topics yes. that people yeah. don't realize that it's it's intrinsic it's uh, you know not kind of you know pressed <laughs> upon us but we have to kind of adapt to technology or you know there are certain bits and pieces throughout our lives and our careers that we you know enjoy and kind of want to pursue um yeah. but they are pivotal moments on reflection uh, rather than in the moment realizing yeah. you know what what that's giving us but um thank you you're welcome i hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as i have recording it i look forward to have you listening in again for the next episode and in the meantime i'd love you to rate review and download this episode thanks again for listening 